0: Welcome to episode three of the Hub City Homers. We are now on our third iteration. Uh, We're a little shorthanded tonight. It'll just be me, Jack, and Reed. Kendall was unavailable. We are talking Texas Tech baseball. Everybody knows why. We're finally in the postseason. Tech earns the national seed. We'll host both the regional and a theoretical super if they get there. So we're going to take a look primarily at the regional. We will probably chat a bit about the super but we are very likely to do probably intermitted um, recordings in between each round, so we'd likely preview the Super as well if we get there as well as a trip to Omaha. Um, overall, it's, it's a bit shocking that Tech took the eight seed. There's some debate whether Notre Dame deserves it or whether just in general Tech didn't deserve it. So I guess the first question on the agenda goes to Jack, and that question's just very simple. Did Tech actually do enough to deserve the top eight seed
1: for what it's worth. From my point of view, I was not expecting uh, the eight seed by any means. I was expecting more around the 10 to 11 to 12 range. Tech did play a very good season and considering them uh, beating Texas and TCU, I guess that carried a lot of weight with the, uh, with this committee. Like I said, after bowing out on that Friday uh, of the Big 12 tournament, I did not have high hopes. But apparently, the committee thought different. You are hearing a lot of um, of Notre Dame love. A lot of people thought Notre Dame deserved a national seat, and I can't say I disagree. Notre Dame finished three and a half games. Uh, in first place of the ACC, they won by three and a half games. That's not easy to do with their RPI. I believe their RPI was somewhere in like the 20s. And from what I've read, the committee really took into into account that they did not play really outside the ACC. They only played four non-conference games this year, which is very hard to believe. They got hit hard with the COVID bug early in the year. And I believe that's one thing that as tech fans, we can really sit back and appreciate that, you know, we didn't really have, we had one series canceled because of COVID and it was at four gamer with Illinois, Chicago late in the year. It's very, very positive that we didn't have any other cancellations. It's a good thing. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, as, Coach Tadlock said earlier in the year that, you know, a lot of these guys had it in the offseason. And, uh, you know, so that figures into a lot of why we didn't have many uh, cancellations on our end, period. But like I said, um, a lot of people around the country have been hating on tech. Uh, you know, whether they deserve it or not, whether there are other teams that are more deserving like a Notre Dame or uh, possibly even the Stanford So people were not just hating on tech though. They're hating on Mississippi state after they got run ruled in both games in the sec tournament. And again, every year people hype up the conference tournaments and it really shows with this, that the committee really does not look at the conference tournaments as much as everyone thinks they do. And every year we get hyped up about it. Oh, this team needs to win three games in the conference tournament to get a national seed or, you know, they might not even be hosting. Well, it really didn't matter in this situation. The Big 12 has three national seeds. I get, I, if I'm remembering right, the SEC has like four. So, uh, I mean, those are obviously your two top conferences in the country right there. Even though, I'm, I'm, you know, you're aware that the Big 12 is only sending four teams total with... Oklahoma State getting that two seed in the Arizona regional and the Tucson regional out there. And that is going to be a tough one for them. I, in my opinion, that's one of the tougher other regionals around the country. But I I do think that Tech did enough to get a regional. I was just not too sure about the super
2: regional. Yeah, I'm pretty. Yeah, I
0: guess. Oh, sorry, Reed, go ahead.
2: I was just—I was going to say—I'm just—I'm pretty much on the same page. Uh, I mean, I didn't uh, expect us to get a national seed coming off of the conference tournament we had, but based upon how the the committee decided to seed teams, it, it obviously mad- Didn't didn't really matter what we did in the conference tournament. Had we gone and won the conference tournament, I still think we would have been an eight seed uh, come national seeding time. Uh, as you say, with like Mississippi State getting run ruled, I don't think that hurt them really at all down the road. Uh, Notre Dame not playing many teams outside of the conference hurt them because the ACC is not probably considered a top tier baseball conference, especially opposed to uh, the SEC and the Big 12. Um, so, compared to the teams that were around them, I think Tech deserved the spot they got. I think they easily could have gone back a little bit, obviously. Um, towards an 11 at the most, but uh, I think with the amount of talent that we have sitting on the bench all year, I think the community realized that had we had those guys playing out there, we'd easily probably beat a top four or five seed. If we even had one or two of those guys, especially out of our bullpen.
0: What's what's unique, I think, about the Big 12 tournament to me and its impact is it seemed to matter a lot for a team like TCU like it really it seemed to matter a bunch that TCU which frankly was playing terrible baseball to close out the year lost a series to what like ULM dropped the game the series against Kansas State lost their outright Big 12 title uh, i mean they were playing horrible baseball and they didn't look like, remotely a top-eight seed. I think Kendall Rogers moved them decidedly outside of the mix and put Tech in over. And it seemed to matter a bunch that TCU suddenly wins the Big 12 tournament, knocking out, frankly, not very good teams. I think the best squad they they, they, they hit was actually Tech, who has historically been awful in Bricktown and was again. Um, I mean, it just – it it seems really odd that a team like – you know, and for it benefit tech for a team like tech, it didn't matter at all that they were terrible in, in, in Oklahoma city, but it mattered a ton for TCU because TCU wasn't just, you know, a top eight seed. They were the sixth seed. You know, they weren't a bubble seed. That means they were the, they were solidly in the mix and that, I, I think that rubs some people the wrong. I think that should rub people the wrong way. Um The kind of randomness how the tournaments are assessed and here's the thing if we're not going to do conference tournaments as like an impacted or a, as an impactful measure on who's going to make what seed outside of the automatic bids if you play for a conference that is a multi-bid league you know the big 12 the power 5 effectively and a couple maybe every now and then some of the smaller conferences will have a couple uh, multi-bid like the the Fairfield situation But if you come from a conference that has guaranteed multiple bids, I think you should cancel your tournament. There's no reason to play it. It doesn't help anybody. Very, very rarely is anybody stealing a bid out of the major conferences. And it doesn't seem to help anybody we thought it would. And it doesn't seem to hurt anybody we thought it would. So what's the point of throwing your guys another week? I mean, just rest your arms, take it home. It's one of the reasons I think Tadlock has – until really this year, basically not cared at all about what happened. I think he tried a bit harder this year than he had previous years, but you still saw guys like Andrew Devine and Levi Wells get a lot of run time who should never pitch a Division One baseball game with how they throw. And I, I hate talking about tech athletes like that, but those guys, fundamentally, Devine in particular, can't throw a strike. So, you know, those guys got runtime and it demonstrates Tadlock's mindset, which is, let's just get out of Dodge. Let's, he felt like they needed to win one. He got the one win and he was ready to go home. So I, I'm of the opinion, if we're going to do this crap where they don't matter, then don't play them. I mean, that that's where I am. But yeah, I, I don't have Tech as an eight. I mean, I, I think that Tech will win their regional. I think they will move on to the Super and they likely can win that as well. But did they deserve to host both? probably not I mean you lost some pretty pretty bad series you took some really bad losses to some awful teams and a team like Notre Dame wins their conference handily yeah they got punished for the non-conference that that was what decided it the committee placed a ton of importance on the RPI and non-conference play which was just silly with how the season broke out but it is what it is but yeah I, I didn't have tech there but I, I'm maybe it's not a hot take and or maybe it is but I am of the opinion we stop playing these conference tournaments I mean it's just It just seems pointless to me.
1: And I agree with that. Kind of like you said, you know, the last couple of years, Tadlock has literally just used it as a tune-up just to keep the guys warm going into the postseason. And I think, you know, uh, the team, the thing that rubs me the wrong way about Kendall Rogers, and I read one of his articles today on D1 Baseball, and he made a comment saying that the committee should take a better look at the top eight seeds. And then he made a, he did dig at Tech. He said, or maybe the Fighting Irish can move to the Big 12, finish third in the league by three games behind Texas and TCU, and still get a top eight seed. And then he goes on, oh, well, Tech fans don't get mad at me. I really do like your team. No, you don't. You don't like them as an eight seed. But don't come after us when you were talking crap about TCU two weeks ago and you put them very far out of the you had them barely as a regional host so don't say that the t- the conference tournament means nothing and then come back and say oh and put tcu as a six that's that's the opposite of what you're saying but i do agree with that i'm on the same page uh, that you are uh michael like you know i don't want if these guys, the only thing you're risking, you're really risking injury. Like, what if one of these uh, teams, like, you know, what if Vanderbilt goes to the SEC tournament and throws Jack Leiter or Kumar Rocker and they have an arm injury in this conference tournament when it means nothing? Like, you're, you're talking about not just costing your team a main starter for the rest of the year in the College World Series, but you're talking about impacting a kid's draft odds because both of those guys are going to be top five draft picks. In my opinion, they should be top five draft picks. But, I mean, you can't sit there and put all this stock for one team in a conference tournament and then turn around and not put any stock in it for others in the same conference tournament. That's where I kind of lose touch with the committee in this situation. Am I glad that Tech got a top eight? Absolutely. And... Tim Tadlock cannot be overlooked for this coaching job that he's done this season. But, you know, I don't understand how tech can go one and done and lose some pretty, they did not play well in those two losses. Quite frankly, they lost to TCU in Kansas state and talk about a team. I'm so glad Kansas state did not make the tournament. They have had our number all season and, you can't just put all of this impact for TCU and move them all the way up to a six since they won the Big 12 tournament. But then Mississippi State gets run ruled twice and is 0 and two by run rule and just move them to seven. It makes no sense, and I just didn't understand it. But that's where I'm at on the whole situation.
2: Yeah, it's almost as if they use different like measurements for for different teams. I mean, you know, like, we go and beat Texas and TCU in both series, but then go and lose to Kansas State. And, uh, I mean, just horrible series losses like that. That would, I mean, I don't want to say they cancel out, but at the same time, that they kind of do, uh, in my opinion. But then you have Mississippi State go and do that. And, I don't know, it's just kind of weird how they jumbled them together the way they did. I didn't really think TCU deserved the six, but if you say that, then – you probably don't think Tech deserves an eight either. So um, I guess if you throw t- TCU at six, then Tech does deserve an eight seed at that point.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. And I I don't think any of the Big 12 teams deserve the seeds they got. After going on the road and beating Texas in Austin, I sure as hell don't believe that t- that Texas deserves the number two overall seed. Absolutely not. That team is not a number two ranked team in the country. You know, they they've played some teams that aren't very good and yeah their strength of schedule is good but they it's just about as good as ours and both of our rpis were so high including tcus because we all played in that preseason tournament in arlington where T- where tcu and tech both lost all three games and texas went one and two the sec absolutely killed the big 12 in that tournament and it's really embarrassing to even put that out there, but I don't think Texas is a number two. I don't think TCU is a six. And I mean, like I said, I will root for the red Raiders all day long and I'm glad that they they did get that eight, but I don't think Texan eight either.
0: What's when you look at seeding and what frustrates me. And I think we talked about this is they, it, they had to have used different measures for different teams, right? Because the, I think the big situation that everybody's talking about is Alabama and Pitt. You know, Pitt doesn't make the tournament because of strength of schedule and how they finished the season and Alabama's no better and was awful to close out the year. So I I think this year, the committee really didn't know what to do with the COVID situation. And this year, more than perhaps any in modern history, they just said, you know what? We're going to just take everything on face value. Who we thought was good is going to take these seeds. Um, Because, you know, it, it, I don't know how good the Big 12 is going to be in in, in the, the regional, Super Regional, Omaha, all that jazz. I don't know. Do I think that Texas, TCU, and Tech are legitimately all three the best eighteen te- in, the, in the conversation with the best eight teams in the country? No. In fact, I think TCU in particular is very likely to not clear their own regional. They played very well in Bricktown, but it was a hot streak that they had not mustered very much during this year. They failed to the pitch a Sunday guy that could do anything for a lot of the season. So if they get into a situation where they're in a little bit of trouble, I don't think they can get out of it. So I think they in particular are likely to get down. Um, Texas and tech should be fine, but do I think that they deserve their seeds? probably not i think the big 12 got the benefit of doubt i think a lot of people got the benefit of the doubt this year i don't think the committee knew how to evaluate things because then you get this random nonsense where like michigan's rpi doesn't matter which was fair because the big 10 didn't play non-conference but then you have how how do you go and grab like the 89th ranked rpi team and skip like the 50 rank rpi team when the top 40 rpi teams they just took and put in the tournament so there, it just seems like, I don't know what the committee does. I don't know. I'm not in the room. I'm not in those conversations, but you, you have to wonder if there was to some degree, a sense of, instead of looking at any particular metric, it really was a sense of, this is just who we think the best teams are. And we're going to, we're going to find a defensible esque position for all of them. Now, do I think that they were blatantly wrong across the board? No. I think most people agree that the overall field's okay, but there's there's a randomness to how this was built that I don't really understand. But now that we've kind of talked about how the seeding played out, and yeah, I think that Tech fans should be happy they got the eight seed. But there is a little bit of dissatisfaction in the sense that did you really earn it? But you know that doesn't matter at the end of the day. You are the eight seed, um, regardless of any, anybody's gripes. But that begs the question. Does Texas Tech have a serious challenger in the Lubbock Regional? You know, we talk about the 8C, that only matters for the Super. So is Tech going to be seriously challenged in this Regional, or should it be, you know, uh, smooth sailing into, into the Super?
1: I, looking at the three teams that we are paired with, and that being UCLA, North Carolina, and Army. The only team that really jumps out to me on paper is UCLA. I will give a disclaimer. I have not seen a game with any of these teams. Actually, I might have seen one with North Carolina, uh, but I have not seen UCLA play a game this year. Um, on paper, they jump off on the off in the offensive categories. They have about six or seven guys that have a majority of their games, they kind of have a weird... It's kind of weird to me. I'm going down through these stats. And, you know, they have a couple of guys that have played and started all the games, all 53. And then, you know, one's 52, 52. And they got their best hitter, who's JT Schwartz, hitting 405 with an 1163 OPS. And he's only started 40 games and only played in 40 games. So I'm guessing he was hurt to start the year, and then he came in and just destroyed everything. Then you got people down the roster that have played, you know, like 32 games and started 18. There's a guy on here that's played in 38 games and started 27, 34 and started 30. So it's like they have like one or two positions that are always in flux or in constant rotation that they just don't know what lineup does best or something like that it's a little strange to me to see that many starts and games played from people that, you know, aren't in the, towards the top of the, you know, stat sheet, but UCLA jumps off on paper. Uh, You know, those, those seven guys that I mentioned, all of them are except for one are in double digit uh, doubles. The other, the only guy that doesn't has nine. Uh, We got an 11 home run, nine home runs, seven home run, five, four, three home runs. All of them have over 25 RBIs. Uh, You know, all of them are slugging over 400. Uh, You know, you have, and you have an on base, all of them are over 300 in on base percentage. So, and you have one of that Schwartz kid is uh, 528 in on base percentage. So he's getting on base 52% of the time that he's at the plate. So, like I said, I mean, this team jumps off of the stat sheet offensively. Uh, pitching, you know, they've been heralded because they have the same pitching staff that they had in 2019 when they were ranked number one for like, you know, 12 or 13 weeks. Um, but I think it's, this is kind of like, uh, like you mentioned earlier, kind of like an Andrew divine situation, someone who is really good in 2019, but just hasn't had it this year. You have one guy who leads the pack 12 and wins. It's Sean Mullen. He's nine and one in 12 starts. Uh, he also has 22 overall appearances and two saves. So he kind of seems like they're jack of all trades. And then you got your other two, you know, weekend starters, uh, with a 424 ERA, a 489 ERA. You know, both have over 70 innings of work, uh, batting average against around like the 260 range. So they're kind of maybe struggling a little bit, but at the same time, you know, they're all right. Um, you know, I've heard, I've heard good things all season about North Carolina as well. just they just haven't been playing up to their uh, potential. I don't see it like I said, I don't see it on the stat sheet. So I only see two hitters that are hitting above 270 uh, this year. And it, those numbers don't jump off the sheet to me. They have one pitcher, Austin Love who is their ace and he's pretty good. He has a 3.6 ERA over 95 innings. So he's pitched a lot. Uh, You know, it's just an interesting, it's an interesting group of teams. Army is army and I'll, it's hard to root against army in anything they do, but you know, they only have two hitters hitting above 300. They're a couple of games over 500. They're, Oh, they're five games over. They're 28 and 23 on the season. They were 13 and 10 in the Patriot and lost the or finished second by one game to uh, Lehigh, who uh, won the last two against Army to take it. So, like I said, it's just it's an interesting group of teams. UCLA is really the only one that I see that could be a potential roadblock. And that's if they pitch if they get a good solid pitching performance from someone other than their ace and their and you know the tech bullpen doesn't throw strikes, which for me this entire postseason hinges on that tech bullpen and if they can throw strikes. If this bullpen does not throw strikes, I fail to see this team making it out of the super regional round. I think you might have enough to get to the super regionals. But if they can't throw strikes against whoever wins that Stanford regional, you know, stick a fork in them because they're done.
2: Well,
0: what's what's interesting about playing in Lubbock is Lubbock is, Lubbock is such an offensive ballpark. It, it it's designed for teams to go out and just just jack the ball around the yard. It always has been. It's windy. It's it's not very deep. It's always played to tech strength, which has historically been really big hitters. And it's one of the reasons tech has struggled in Omaha is because you get to Omaha, which is a very, very bad offensive ballpark. It's really hard to go out and put a lot of runs up there. And tech has largely been unable to do so. And has not had the pitching group most years to win more than one game or two games in Omaha. Um, This year feels a lot like that, unfortunately, but we'll see if we get there, what'll happen, you know, but I think, what will decide the regional is pretty simple. And it's just tech cannot have these prolonged droughts. You know, we went two games in Bricktown and had like three hits through 16 innings. I mean, it was awful. They couldn't hit anything thrown at them. And if tech has droughts like that, it allows teams like army or more likely UCLA, you will probably see throw their ACE against you. They'll probably throw that kid game too. Um, you know, if you have a drought against somebody like that, teams can really jump up on you in Lubbock. You know, Tex relief pitching is not immune to the fact that it's easier to put up runs in Lubbock. It just is. Um, now, neither UCLA nor Army nor um, UNC are really built like tax lineup is. They're not as big power hitters. They're just uh, – it's just a different kind of way to play baseball. They don't have – you know, Jace Young, Drew Baker out there just cracking the ball around. I mean, it's just not quite that powerful of a lineup, but they're going to get on base. And if you have guys who are going to walk them around the bases and you're going to pair that with Tech's sometimes inability to score when runners are in scoring position, you will get bad situations. Now, should Tech, cruise? Probably. I mean, UCLA is probably the biggest threat. I don't think you're going to be seriously challenged in this regional. I think you're you're just top to bottom better in your home ballpark than almost anybody in the nation. And to be honest, I don't even know if that that won't stop even when you get to the super. You're tough to beat in Lubbock. But the reality of the situation is if you get up there and you've got, you know, your relief pitchers walk the first 3 batters they face, which happened this past weekend, you will lose. You'll drop a game. And the, the, the sad situation is, is if you drop a game and you've got to play that extra little regional game, um, you could get into some trouble. I mean, you don't have necessarily a fourth starter capable of going six innings. I think in that situation, you're throwing a kid like Chase Hampton who has had some bright moments, but his future is more what you're looking forward to with him. He, he's a bit inconsistent as a freshman. He can be great, but you – If you you really need to clear this regional in three games, that's gotta be the goal. You gotta save your arms because you're gonna have a tough super. And that's not gonna happen if tech gets into a position where you're you're, you know, one for eleven with runners in scoring position, or you're just having one of these where you go four innings without being able to get a guy on base. So we'll see what happens with that. But I I think that UCLA that second game. You're going to throw – they're going to throw their best arm at you to beat you. That's going to be the real test in this regional, but Tech should cruise through.
2: Yeah, I don't think we'll necessarily have any uh, massive problem with any three teams. I I don't think – no disrespect to Army. I don't really think there's going to be an issue with us, North Carolina, or UCLA trying to get by them uh, at at any point in the regional. Um, I really don't know much about North Carolina or UCLA, if I'm being honest. But uh, going off of what Jack said, UCLA sounds like they can hit the ball pretty well. Um, You know, our, as everybody knows, our starters and bullpen have been uh, a roller coaster all season long. I think it's going to depend on what kind of starts we get out of them this weekend. This weekend it's kind of uh, a Jekyll and Hyde situation, it seems like. You can get something really good or... You get something really bad depending on who's throwing. Um, and a lot of them seem like if they're doing bad, it's really bad. Or if they're doing really good, it's really good. So, um, I think our bats are going to be fine, especially at home. Uh, we're not going to have any problems scoring runs until, uh, like what Macon was saying, uh, getting getting to Omaha's when we have an issue uh, crossing the plate, it seems like, in a different type of ball field. Um, but yeah, I think – that our bullpen's really gonna have to step up guys like Sublet and Connor Queen obviously are guys you trust out there, but behind them, I really couldn't couldn't name many people that I trust in the in the postseason to give you more than two strong innings if that uh, depending on who we're who we're matched up with, especially down the road.
0: I just think that tech is going to tech loses in the regional if it beats itself. I think that the upper end of what Tech's done this year has been as good as anybody's. But, you know, you lost a game to West Virginia. You dropped a game against Kansas. You lost three games to Kansas State. Lost the series against Baylor. And in all of those situations, you were thoroughly outplayed. And a lot of times, you just beat yourself. You couldn't do anything right. Um, And if that happens again, you will lose the regional. It just you can't – everybody's good enough to beat you if you play badly. You know, you're, you're no longer – this isn't like a midweek series. You can't throw your worst arms and expect it to be enough. Everybody has to at least play okay for Tech to win every game. And, you know, Tech has yet to really put together a complete three-game series. You know, we, I don't think we swept any of our conference mates. Um, and because, a lot of that because you just couldn't put together – a complete three game series. And that, that goes to relief pitching. It speaks to inconsistency with the bats. It speaks to a lot. Now you're probably going to be fine offensively. So yeah, the big question is your pitching, but that does beg the question when you get to, you know, a game three and you're throwing presumably Mason Montgomery, I'm assuming we keep our standard rotation for this. And sublette's probably already thrown, um, uh, Connor McQueen's probably already thrown. You know, who who's the arm coming in after Montgomery that you feel safest with carrying tech out of that regional?
1: I I mean, if you're in a game 3 win like and you want to take it immediately, I don't see a problem with throwing Chase Hampton after and you know, maybe only using him for an inning or two, but you know just keeping that stability after Montgomery goes. Cause I mean, what's the deepest Montgomery's gone all season, maybe six innings. So, and you know, and that was in relief in that TCU game after Micah Dallas got shelled in the first inning. So, and so that is his best outing and it was in relief. So, I mean, you have, you have options. You have basically you have chase Hampton, uh, Brendan Gurton, Derek Bridges, and you know, beyond that, I mean, you're starting to get real thin. I mean, you could you could maybe hope that Eli Reekman could come in and maybe Hade Key. Hade Key has been either hit or miss. I don't really trust anyone else in that bullpen. I really don't. Um, you know, look at You don't really have anyone else that has over, uh, you know, 10 appearances even that you could name that would do any good. I mean, Andrew Devine, no. Uh, Levi Wells, no, absolutely not. Uh, I mean, then you get to guys that are only in like the single digits in appearances. You have, I mean, Chase Webster has nine appearances, so maybe... Uh, you could always throw Kurt Wilson with his broken glove hand. I mean, but who knows if he, if they're going to want him to hit in, in this postseason or if he's going to even be able to. So, with all those unanswered questions, this is the thing that I've, you know, as I say, I hate to harp on the injuries that we've had, but man, you could really use, you know, Becker or Birdsell or. And I mean, you could really use Brutowski in this situation because Brutowski was a heck of a reliever. I mean, you have all these guys that are just sitting there, and you know, it's—I uh, read a thing. You got a roster of All Americans that are <laughs> almost a full roster of All Americans that are sitting on the bench because they're hurt, and it—and it's crazy to me. If you would have told me at the beginning of the year that after the first game of our regional that Nate Rombach will have played more games than Dylan Noisy and, or started, I'm sorry, started more games than Dylan Noisy and Kurt Wilson. I, I would have told you you're crazy, but that's where we're at. And, you know, we don't have noisy for the rest of the year. We have Kurt Wilson to however good he can, however good he feels, you know, you have, You kind of have Cody Masters. He's been all right since his little shoulder flare-up. But, and then, do you trust anyone else with a bat? Do you trust... I mean, I love Parker Kelly's defense. Do you trust Parker Kelly with a bat in crunch time? Do you trust bringing anyone off the bench? I mean, Braden Runyon, Woodcox, Marshock. I mean... The the key to postseason runs also is having people that can come in, you know, having a deep bench. And right now we're we're pushing, you know, we're almost running on E. And that's not just our that's not just our, you know, position player situation. That's our bullpen as well. So I'm interested to see how they're gonna handle it. And, you know, the fact that they've handled it well enough to still get a top eight seed is just insane to me.
2: Tadlock's yeah,
0: I mean – oh, sorry, Rick, go ahead.
2: I was just going to say, Tadlock, just the way he's been able to coach his group to where he's at has been has been crazy. But uh, what makes that even worse is probably not going to get any easier from here on out uh, with the matchups we're going to have. He's going to have to do some, some crazy work having to see who's going to work against what kind of schemes and what kind of teams because, I mean, you just don't know what you're going to get out of your guys with what it seems like on really – any level, whether it's your position players or people in the bullpen or whoever it is, uh, he's just going to have to, I mean, play it by ear. Really, with a lot of spots that other teams don't really have to worry about at this point.
0: Yeah, and I think we can take a minute here and just acknowledge something that is pretty special. Is you know, Tech Tech's fans have gotten a bit spoiled, and I think what what's crazy about that to consider is Tech wasn't just not good at baseball before Tim Tadlock got here they were damn near Kansas bad i mean they'd had a handful out of the you know 30 40 years they played baseball a handful of seasons where they were even competitive and it's been now 7 years and now tech fans basically demand trips to omaha and while we we may seem a little pessimistic here it it i think part of it is because Um, we've just gotten so used to tech making Omaha, the thought that are being, making a super and being competitive and doing all this, it's, it's gotten kind of, it gets lost how hard it is to do that consistently. You know, there there's, it's not normal to go five straight years and host a regional and to do it when you've lost easily three guys who would have ended up on the all American list. And probably your second best reliever. On top of that, I mean, you you lost two starters, your best reliever, your all around best player, Dylan Noisy. Um, now, Jace Young kind of filled that role nicely and taking the mantle. But coming into the year, Dylan Noisy was the guy everybody thought was going to be your best player, um, and you've still managed to do this. So I think one thing that's crazy—it just it—it's it, getting hard to conceptualize because we're we're getting used to it but it has to be paused and admired how Tim Tadlock has made one of the more difficult things to do, which is consistently field top-level baseball teams, and he's done it without it looking that hard. I mean, this should look hard. This team struggled. They've been inconsistent, etc. cetera, but it was never in doubt that they were going to host a regional. They never got to a point where anybody really seriously thought about the fact that they weren't going to consider uh, be hosting a regional at the minimum. And that, with the the injuries this season, it should have been in somebody's mind, like, hey, this team may just not have enough. And that never happened because Tadlock found a way to work around it. So while I don't know how the relief pitching is going to hold up once we start to get into the deep run uh, of this postseason, but if there's any skipper who could get this done, it is Tim Tadlock. Just because he's done it for so long now at a program that had no history, and he's done it overnight. And, you know, I I tweeted about this on the, the account, but the only thing standing between tech and crowning itself as the preeminent program in baseball is a national title. You know, there's nobody else doing what tech's doing in terms of consistency. They just haven't reached the pinnacle of the sport yet. I hope that's this year. I'm not 100% sure it will be, but you, if it were to happen this year, you know, tech would definitely, I think, claim clean the mantle as the best program in baseball with everything else going on. You know, that that's with admittedly middle of the pack facilities and that's in a location that is not necessarily the easiest to recruit to. So all of that going in for what Tadlock's done is, is, is truly impressive and he deserves the lifetime contract he's earned. Yeah. So the final question, I guess, of the night. So instead of looking ahead, let's look back. And for the final you know, question of the night is, Jack. When you look back on this season, how do you grade Tech season as a whole? You know, we, we, the injuries are a factor. All that aside, how would you grade this season?
1: You know, I would grade it probably around an A. Uh, in all honesty, if you take if you take the injuries out of it and just where we finish the regular season and getting that number eight overall seed. That's kind of where I thought Tech would be, you know, kind of anywhere from five to 10. Uh, like Like you said earlier, you know, we're kind of getting spoiled with all of this now, but that's where I kind of thought they would be. I will say that I think if the injuries didn't happen, if you have Becker and Dobbins and Brutowski, on the pitching staff and Dylan noisy doesn't go down and Kurt Wilson doesn't break his finger. And, you know, Drew Baker doesn't have that week or week and a half with his leg issue. I really think that this team could have been, you know, in the top three in the country with that, with that pitching staff at, and you have Monteverde and, and especially if Birdsell doesn't go down to Birdsell gives you a huge risk or a huge, uh, you know, boost because he's up there throwing juice in there, you know, he's touching 98, 99 miles an hour from a starter. I mean, you don't hardly ever see that at the college level. So I think that, uh, you know, with, with everything that happened and injuries aside, I would grade it an A that's kind of where I said, but you know, I will, I will always remember this season, no matter if it ends next week or if it wins with us, you know, in Omaha, and us winning the last game of the year instead of losing the last game of the year, I still would would think that I'll just think about what could have been for this team. Uh, you know, if if you don't have those injuries, I just will always think about that. And like I said, again, it I know we've kind of been beating a dead horse about this, but that's a tribute to Tim Tadlock and this staff and what he's done. And so my big takeaways from this year mostly will be how good of a coaching job this has been by Tim Tadlock.
2: Yeah. Any, any year we make a national seed is, is a good year in my book. I mean, even if we finished as a top 10 or 11 or wherever we could have ended up, it would have been a good year, especially with the the injuries that we had that were so major. Uh, especially the one to, to Birdsell, I think that one was really, a, really a dagger halfway through the year. Uh, one that nobody was really expecting to come out of nowhere the way it did, because um, especially the way that he was pitching, he was pitching like Jack said, upper nineties as a starter. You don't really see that. Um, he complemented our our rotation pretty well. Um, it's it's hard to uh, to say. Uh, what, what could have been, um, you know, just because you had those guys doesn't mean you you automatically finish top three, top two. But uh, it's, it's hard to believe that w- with them you wouldn't do that either, um, you know, especially with even the guys in the field as well with Noisy and them. I know Noisy wasn't really having a great year before he got hurt, but he's the kind of guy that uh, has a lot of talent, easily could have bounced back and – Um, played well for you down the stretch, especially in the postseason with the amount of experience he has um, playing in in Omaha and in regionals in Lubbock. Um, So overall, I think it was a great year, uh, especially with what happened outside of of the playing field. Um, It was good that a lot of our COVID problems were solved beforehand, uh, whether they were intended to be that way or not. Uh, we didn't really have many issues with that, so I think that helped us out, especially with schedules. Um, when the committee looked at our uh, our strength of schedule, who we played, how we won, who we won against on the road, too. Um, that Texas series really helped us. Had we not had that, uh, that rain out on Saturday and finish on Sunday, that may have been a uh, a different series outcome. So that's probably a little blessing in disguise for us. Um, but, yeah, overall, I think we we did – as good as we could have with uh, the the talent that we had on the roster, uh, that was healthy all year.
0: For me, it's tough because on the one hand, we, we've all talked about it, the injuries limited what your ceiling was, and on the other hand, if you just want to look at the season after the injuries, you you lost a lot of guys, but you can only play with the guys who are there, and you can't control stuff like that. So if you look at that aspect you fell a little bit short of your goals and you fell short of them for dumb reasons because you beat the best teams in the Big 12. That's what's frustrating is you beat the best teams in the Big 12 and dropped two series you shouldn't have and dropped a couple more games you shouldn't have. However, if you weigh in the injuries and you weigh in the fact that despite falling to third of the Big 12, you still earned a top eight national seat, I think the only conclusion you can draw is this was maybe the best coaching job of Tim Tadlock's career? You know, you this team, like I said, this team lost some really odd series, and they could have packed it in at any point, but they always seemed to rally and play their best baseball against the better teams, and just doing so when they had every reason to fold. There, there are very, very few programs in the country who could have managed to salvage anything out of a season like this, and to do so was incredible. Like I said, I'm a little disappointed because you you didn't accomplish your goal of a Big 12 title because you lost a series to Kansas State and Baylor. That sucks. I mean, that, that does. It would have been one thing if you beat all the scrubs and then you run against Texas and TCU and they're just a bit better than you. But you managed to get those series. So it is a little disheartening to know you were so close to despite all the noise and the BS that happened with the injuries that you could have gotten it done. But you have to remember any season you make a top eight national seed is a great season. Any season where you can survive the injuries Tech has taken and still manage to be this good has to be remembered fondly. And especially in a year as weird as this, with everything going on, um, this will always be a special season for Tech fans to look back on and remember as the time where you know you locked in your coach, you're you up you're upgrading your facilities, you managed to take the series from – both TCU and Texas and doing the, the Texas series in Austin is particularly sweet considering how little they respected you coming into that game. So, you know, overall, if I'm going to grade it, I'm going to give it an a minus. And the only reason it's an a minus, and it's not for anything anybody can control now. And it's not really for any other reason other than the fact that I felt like you were so close to pulling off one of the most improbable runs in all of sports. Um, You know, there have been some great underdog stories. I don't know how many could have topped losing, for a baseball team anyways, losing your two best pitchers and losing your best relief pitcher. Um, They put together, they duct taped this team together and dragged it, kicking and screaming, to a top eight national seed, which is just unbelievable. And I I really hope Tech fans don't get, this season doesn't get lost for Tech fans and, oh, another Regional host. Oh, another top eight seed. Oh, another potential trip to Omaha. I really want this one to stand out for what it is, because this and that 2014 season are are both really unique and special for how they happened and the improbability that they would happen. So that that's something I think. If Tech goes on a run this postseason, this season will be one of the best all time Tech baseball years, and it's a, it's a testament to what Tadlock's built that we even look back and think, despite these injuries we could have gotten it done. Um, so this has kind of been our regional preview. Like I said, and I'll say again, we're going to probably forecast both the, our preview both the Super and Omaha if they occur. Don't want to count our chickens before they hatch. But I am very excited. I think we're all pretty confident we'll be back for at least a regional Uh, Even if it's just Jack giving you a quick rundown, we'll try to get something out for you guys. This has been a pleasure as always. Thanks to Jack and Reed for joining me. Uh, Sorry we couldn't have Kendall on here as well. We would have loved to gotten us all together on this one. This has been episode three of the Hub City Homers. We are now officially moving over. Um, I think we're going to have to change our RSS feed, all that jazz, and move over to the Sports Blog Nation network. So you'll be seeing us published through a different source. In fact, I think we can publish now directly through Viva the Matadors, who you should follow and read along. These guys all write great stuff, so you can follow them there. Um, once again, it's been a pleasure talking to you all. I hope you enjoyed this. We're all looking forward to Friday. It's going to be an 11 a.m. start. I think Tadlock was just trying to get the whole damn city off of work, and it should be a fun one. The crowd will be there. It's going to be a great environment. Lubbock is a, it's a hell of a place when things are going well and uh, – Wreck them and w- let's see what happens. I'm real. I think we can really have a special postseason.